Welcome everyone to our NCAA social series. This is episode 57. I'm Andy Katz. On this episode, we're going to discuss the Asian American Pacific Islander Alliance here. And, and there's been a lot of talk, obviously, in the community at large uh, in this country. Uh, thankfully, there was just passed uh, in the Congress and the Senate, uh, and President Biden should be signing this, the anti-Asian hate crime bill. Uh, passed overwhelmingly in the Senate, got through the Congress, and now uh, clearly it will get passed, or excuse me, signed by President Biden. So there's been a lot of news on this topic and also in the college space. And I'm pleased to be joined by three distinguished guests here. Amy Huttenhausen, the um, commissioner of the America East Conference, uh, a former student athlete in Division Three in softball at University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, uh, Chelsea Kung, she is a women's tennis player at Yale, uh, obviously has been remote this year with the Ivy not playing sports uh, nationally or within the league, but she will be back as a rising junior. And Patrick Summers, who is the commissioner of the New England Women's and Men's Athletic Conference uh, and was a former tennis player himself at Division Three Wheaton College. Um, first, uh, Amy, I want to start with you, just your overall reaction to what has happened nationally, and then we'll take it on the collegiate side of you know everything that's gone on this year with um, a rise in hate crimes on the Asian American Pacific Islander community, um, and your reaction to at least now this acknowledgement that there will be uh, this anti-Asian hate crime bill that certainly um, you know will drive more attention to it. Yeah, well, thanks for having us, Andy. Really appreciate it. I mean, this year has been wild in every sense of the, the in any sense that you could define it, right? From the pandemic and dealing with things like Chelsea's experience over the past year to testing and all of those types of things. So that alone was a lot for any individual in the society to deal with. And then you layer on uh, the events of last summer um, <clears throat> with respect to George Floyd and the rise in social justice, the social justice movement nationally and within college sports and on college campuses really last summer. And that just fed into, I think, some of the issues over the last few months and the rise and really the visibility because it's not like these things weren't happening before. It just has caused uh, an increase in the visibility of anti-Asian discrimination and hate. So I think it's, you know, like anything, it takes sometimes take a tragedy for people to pay attention and notice. Um, but one of the silver linings is that there's more visibility and people talking and acknowledging and being aware of these issues, whether you identify as AAPI or not. I just think there's been sort of an awakening on what's been transpiring in this country for decades, but certainly has come into much sharper focus over the last several months. Yeah, I mean, obviously these you know horrific people are blaming the AAPI community on, on the pandemic uh, just because it originated uh, in China, the no fault of their own. Um, I'm just curious before we move on, and I want to go around our, our Zoom room here. Uh, Amy, what, what have you experienced, if anything, in this past year? You know, I've been really fortunate, Andy, to be, to be honest with you, even throughout my life as I've tried to reflect on things. I've not been the subject of anything severe or hateful, at least in an overt way, and that has been the case over the last few months. I'm also, though, I acknowledge that I'm blessed to live in a city in Boston, and really a particular part of Boston in Cambridge, where there are more 
Asian Americans walking around than Caucasian people or any other race for that matter. So I, I recognize the good fortune I have where I currently live, but I will say that it has, um, you know, elevated, as I mentioned earlier, in terms of the visibility, it's certainly raised red flags for me in ways I have never done before in my life. You know, I was, I was thinking of flying to San Antonio for the women's uh, basketball championship after some of the incidents and events that caused some attention for that championship in, in March. Um, and one of the reasons why I didn't go, and I'm not afraid to admit it, is that it was about a week or so after the event in Atlanta. And for the first time in my life, um, me being Korean American crossed my mind and maybe it was something like, hey, you need to pay attention to that and be thinking about that as you travel about the country. And so it wasn't the determining factor why I didn't go to San Antonio, but it was certainly a contributing factor in my decision-making. Chelsea, same kind of deal. Your reaction first to um, the national attention, thankfully that has been brought in DC and maybe your own personal experience uh, growing up or even at Yale. Yeah, I'd love to speak on that. Um, I think events that have been happening, I just wanna take note that these events, you know, unfortunately aren't new um, as, um, Amy said, you know, they've been happening for so long. And I, something that I've grappled with is kind of understanding and how to grapple with the fact that, you know, these hate crimes originated like back in March and there was no news coverage, no national television covering it. And yet, you know, my social media, I follow quite a few Asian American news, um, news accounts. It was just hate crime, hate crime after hate crime. And back in March, this was happening and it's still happening. Every single time I open up my social media, I'm reading about a new hate crime. I'm, it's just devastating. Um, that said, I, I do want to acknowledge my own experience. I think I've also been very privileged in the fact that, you know, I've never had to grapple with anything detrimental and nothing very serious. I think I've had to deal with, you know, the microaggressions, the stereotypes. Um, I grew up in Texas. I grew up in a very white area. Um, I think, you know, that really changed like my outlook on how I present myself as an Asian American, as a Chinese woman. And I stopped bringing leftover um, Asian food that my mom had made for, for dinner the past night for lunch. You know, I wasn't eating kimchi at lunch. It was just like, I was eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And that was just like something that I had to do because I just felt so kind of out of place at times and very isolated. Um, that said, I think coming to Yale has been so eye-opening eye for me and so amazing. And the, um, in the sense that I've created such a community here. I am so close with my teammates, many of whom are Asian. Um, I'm so close with my friends and I'm so close with the various groups that I'm a part of. And I think something that's really just helped my confidence um, is the fact that so many people at Yale are so supportive and empowering. And looking at Vicky Chun, looking at A.D. Chun and seeing her success, but also knowing that she is so supportive of me as a student athlete and as a woman. Um, so I just like to say that I, I think I've grown so much in the last couple of years and really the last year more so than anything. Um, and, you know, our, the AAPI community is reeling right now. I think we're grieving for so much and, you know, it's just going to continue to happen, unfortunately. And that's just a result of this continued rhetoric, this continued idea of just wanting to blame somebody. Um, and that's just really unfortunate and, you know, devastating. Patrick? Yeah, I, I think what we've recognized this past year is that I don't think the country is as far along in specific areas as we had hoped we were. Um, I was actually, I, I was born in the Philippines. We, we came here in 1972 when I was about six months old. Um, I grew up right outside of Washington, D.C. 
um, you know, in terms of my own experiences, there were some tough moments for me growing up of uh, being accused of living in trees and eating dogs and cats, you know, based, that's based on what people uh, stereotyped uh, Filipinos at that point in time, you know, and as we grow, grew up, you know, the, I, I think the, that, that, that those stereotypes just didn't go away um, in, in terms of college and things like that. Um, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to see that it takes uh, something tragic to, to bring it to the forefront. Um, and I think what's, what's important, um, and I know we'll get to it later on on the 4AAPI Alliance is, uh, you know, we need continued action. We don't need reaction to these events. Uh, we need people to continue to want to work on these issues outside of uh, when crisis occurs uh, or when tragedy occurs. And, and continuing to have these conversations, I think, is what's most important in how we do things um, and how we uh, educate other people, uh, let people know that these, these occurrences are every day. Uh, and uh, it's not just uh, the most tragic things that are happening, but it's, again, the stereotypes of, you know, you, you, you must be smart in math and sciences. Um, there's no way you play sports, right? There's just, that's just not, that's just not part of it all. Uh, and I think those more and more we have these conversations, the better we, we, we will understand. And it's not just about AAPI, it's about every other social issue out there that we just need to continue to tackle and, and talk about. So, I mean, Amy, let's go back. I mean, it was uh, 1978, President Carter uh, initiated this. And in 1990, uh, there was a Heritage Month that was created. Um, I don't want to put, you know, one month over the other, but uh, let's be honest. It is not known as much. It is not celebrated as much. Uh, if anything, our educational system is very stereotypical uh, and very surface. Um, how much do you think, you know, to, I think Chelsea was just saying like that these horrific events that are happening all the time and have happened uh, regardless of the pandemic, how much can this be spun into a re-education, a redefining of, of an awareness of the Asian American Pacific Islander uh, community? Yeah, it's a great question, Andy. I, I think it's imperative. I mean, I, you know, believe that the universe aligns certain things, right, for us. And the timing of AAPI Heritage Month at the same time while Congress is in session, while they're taking up this bill, uh, while the some of the worst of the um, anti-Asian hate crimes have occurred, at least from a, at least that we are aware of it, because the news media started to finally pay more attention to it. You know, I think those are all coming together at the right time, if you will, to inspire action, to inspire change and hopefully do something that, yeah, lives much more than just one month. You know, I, you know, I, I hate to admit it, but it wasn't until a few years ago that I even knew about AAPI Heritage Month. And so as an AAPI individual, you know, that maybe says a little bit about me, but I also think it, it says a lot about how this country and how our different, whether educational institutions, corporations, or what have you, um, have celebrated this month over the last couple of decades since it was originated. Um, so I, I think, with anything, it's going to require people's commitment to change and doing the work behind the scenes in the other 11 months. And that's something that, you know, I and I've talked to Patrick and I know what Vicky's doing at Yale. And so I know what Chelsea's been a part of there. Um, but it's going to require everyone, not just AAPI individuals, of course, but allies as well, uh, but to do the work every single day. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll tell you to your point, 
Um, and I don't want to paint with a broad brush various parts of the country, but you know, I, I feel fortunate. You know, I live in New England, uh, so in, in Connecticut, Rhode Island, and, and I have seen stop Asian hate signs on lawns. Um, and maybe that is across the country. I don't know, but I'm sort of glad to see that we're seeing that. Uh, it's awful that it has taken this to see that. Um, before we, you know, I want to dive into obviously what we're doing in the student athlete space. Um, but just if you can just comment on that, Chelsea and Patrick, of just what you've seen in the public space, maybe in your communities, uh, that has hopefully, um, you know, made you feel at least a little bit better about the greater community that people are rallying um, around this issue. Chelsea? Yeah, I'd love to start. Um, so I've never actually seen a stop Asian hate crimes or any sign like that. That said, I actually recently spoke and I, I got in contact with my, my high school. Um, they reached out to me. There is a student athlete against, or student against, a student against racism coalition that started at my high school. And they asked me to come talk and it was really eye-opening and really, you know, to that matter, inspiring because, you know, I'm a part of a group very similar on campus. And to know that it's, you know, in as wide of a neighborhood as I grew up in and as wide as a school that I went to, that, you know, a group like this exists is really just, I think, a, a step in the right direction. Um, I think, you know, it came with a lot of pushback. You know, I talked with the administrator behind it and she was a previous teacher of mine. And she was like, yeah, we had to change our logo. We've, we've just received a lot of pushback. Um, but that said, this, the resilience that this group has had, I've talked with them quite often. Um, it's really just in that sense, I'm really proud to have been a part of a high school that, you know, while there is pushback accepts and is record, recognizing um, just what needs to be done and the change that needs to occur. Um, so I just wanna, you know, shout out to them that they are, you know, it's a step in the right direction. And I think more schools can learn from this, especially schools, you know, that are very close to me that, you know, I know this would just never pass in any other school. So I, I wanna give um, just praise for the acknowledgement and the, um, just the action that's been taking place. I think it's, it's a step in the right direction. Patrick? Yeah, I, it's one of the reasons I enjoy the profession that we're in is the, is the community that, that uh, moves toward action when, when things like this occurs. And I think you're seeing it, whether it's division one, two or three, uh, that commissioners, athletic directors, the student athletes, whether it's through SAC or through their teams, they're picking up uh, ways to take action um, and uh, and responding toward um, again another another social injustice uh, uh, thing that they that they believe in and they know that they want to bring uh, bring to light. You know, back to what Amy was talking about earlier. I think when we're talking about systemic and cultural uh, challenges that we have to address, it, it has to be continual and it has to be something where everyone is a part of it, whether you're part of AAPI or you're an ally or, or you're just a part of our, 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 our community, right? So um, I, I, I have seen such an embrace when it comes to social issues uh, through the NCA organizations, uh, conferences, institutions. And, and again, I, I like to commend those who have, have also supported AAPI through this, this difficult time. Um, I didn't speak on my experience at Yale, but I just want to, um, I was a part of SAC, so I was the diversity, equity, and inclusion subcommittee leader this past year. Um, and, you know, the entire community at Yale, I think, has been so supportive and encouraging of the work that I've done and the work that, you know, SAC has done as a whole. 
our main motivation this past year was to tackle the social injustice that had racked our country, you know, address Black Lives Matter, address the now AAPI community hate crimes. Um, and I think now as I enter um, next year, I'll be the president of SAC. You know, that's something that's at the forefront of my mind and something that I am passionate about. And I just am so happy to have somebody like A.D. Chun, who has explicitly expressed her support and her dedication to helping SAC as a whole, helping athletics become more inclusive and just promising to make that change. So very happy. So Amy, let, let's take that, what Chelsea's talking about and put it on the practical side. What is being and can be done in the college athletic space to draw awareness um, to this real pressing issue? Yeah, I mean, I think it's using the tools that exist. Like, you know, this podcast is a wonderful opportunity for Patrick, Chelsea, and I to talk about this and bring exposure to all of the, the folks in the audience that listen to this on a regular basis. But then, you know, working with, uh, as Chelsea says, A.D. Chen, um, and Patrick Chun, who's the AD at Washington State, the three of us have been in touch over the last few years, um, seeing each other at NACDA or the in-state convention talking about this. And, you know, we should do something. And then we go on because we all have our full-time jobs. And because there hasn't been this, like, moment or cause for action, this inflection point like we've had in the last year. Uh, but we had it in the last year, right? And the three of us finally said, you know what? It's either now or never. We've got to put up or shut up. And we're either gonna do something or we're not. And so we committed to launch and we did it earlier this month, the AAPI Athletics Alliance or for AAPI for short. And so that is something that we are doing in this college space. I don't have the roadmap for you, Andy, yet, but the initial objective is simply to get our arms around how many individuals identify as AAPI um, in college sports and all of division, all, across all three divisions. We just have no, there's no centralizing or organizing body right now to understand the population that work in college sports. You know, there's only um, two Division One ADs and Pat, Pat and um, Vicky that we're aware of right now, but we know there are more individuals at all throughout the athletics department staff, throughout conference office staff, and so that's been our initial push is just to get our arms around what is the size of the demographic that we're talking about, and then to identify allies as well. And just in the first couple of weeks since launching, I have to say, like I've been blown away by the contacts and emails and text message or DMs on Twitter. Um, and even I went into the office yesterday, you know, we've been working mostly remote, but I went into the office yesterday and there was a note card from um, an assistant or associate AD uh, for football at a power five school, reaching out and saying, thank you for starting for AAPI. And it's things like that, that we are starting to establish a connection and community that has been sorely missing in my view in college athletics. Patrick? I uh, couldn't agree more with what Amy just said. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I've been in college athletics since 1996 and just trying to think through who the AAPI admins coaches that I've worked with along the way of student athletes. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, there's just no central place. And so I think for AAPI is going to be an amazing opportunity for us to be, to, to get a collective and start working together and providing resources uh, that we need uh, and and providing mentorship and providing uh, who knows what else is out there that we, we, we might be, we might be able to do. You know, I think uh, in terms of the other things that we can do throughout, uh, you know, throughout the NCAA through conferences, institutions, I think it's working with uh, Office of Inclusion at the NCAA, working with your conference office, 
to me, National SAC is such a driving force in anything that we do that if they champion an initiative, it's going to take off. And so, Chelsea, I'm excited for you to take over as president for, for D1 SAC. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important time for so many issues right now for us. Um, but working, working with uh, and being intentional about what we're trying to do, the NUMAC is specifically doing diversity, equity, and inclusion programming. We did about six series this year, and we're, we're going to extend that into the next five years as part of our strategic plan. Uh, and our institutions are buying into that. And, and I think that's, that's what we're hoping to do. And we get support through, like I said, the NSA Office of Inclusion. And I'm, I'm happy and excited to work with Amy, uh, Vicki, uh, and Patrick on it for API as well. Um, division three, Amy said, you know, we're not sure how many are in division one. I, I have zero idea how many are in division three. And it'll be, it'll be good to have some sort of foundation and central network uh, to work off of. So I, I'm a huge proponent um, of, you know, diversifying uh, regardless of whether it's a corporation, athletic department, conference in our world. Um, because if there's not someone at the table, then the room changes. If it's all men, you know, you're gonna have, I'm not saying always locker room talk or whatever, but if there's a woman there, things may be tempered down, hopefully. Uh, and I think that is true in the space of, um, you know, someone who's African-American, who's someone's Asian-American and so on. Uh, for you, Chelsea, you know, this is actually a space where Patrick, and Amy, and you mentioned Patrick out of Washington State, you know, it's probably on one hand or two uh, that we know of. Um, I mean, I can't honestly say D2, D3 that I know everyone, but um, there are fewer administrators at the highest level who are from the AAPI community. So as a student athlete, Chelsea, what, what does it say to you when you see people like Patrick, like Amy, who are essentially trailblazers in this space, um, you know, basically decision makers that are in the room. You know, for me, growing up, I, I don't, I couldn't think of one Asian American Pacific Islander that I really looked up to beside my parents or relatives. Um, that said, now that I'm in college, that I'm a rising junior, I look at Vicky and I just, I am empowered by her. I'm empowered by the position that she's taken up by the glass wall that she's really just shattered. You know, she is, she doesn't fit the bill of what you think an AD um, of a D1 school would look like. You know, you look at her and you're like, okay, you know, she's probably just like a coach or, you know, somebody not as highly respected as she deserves to be looked at, right? And I, I see her and I see the things that she's done for Yale. And even beyond that, I, you know, I was already such a supporter of her for what she's done at Yale, for her commitment to not cutting um, sports in the pandemic, you know, just commitment to sports in general. I looked at her and I just, I see, so, I have so much respect for her. But then I, I learned that she was, what she was doing for the AAPI community, you know, for me, um, learning about the four AAPI is relatively new for me. Um, that said, you know, after the events of Atlanta, you know, she hosted a town hall with coaches, with faculty, with student athletes. And that was one of the most memorable experiences I've had at Yale. You know, we were all reeling on the call. So emotional. Like I remember talking and I couldn't even talk. I was, I was crying. I was so emotional. Um, but there was just this general sense of community that existed. And we, I knew like two people on the call, Vicky and, you know, a fellow student athlete of mine. Um, and, you know, we talked and there was just so much like similar, there were so many similar experiences that we've had as, you know, just a community and just understanding and, you know, rec recognizing that, you know, there's so many people that, you know, lack that community 
um, that just lack the support and lack the, you know, just the community. You know, there's just nobody to talk to to really just grieve and to um, accept the situation. And you know, now that that community is rising, now that 4A API is in the works and has been established, you know, that's huge. And I'm so excited and really just, just honored to be a part of. You know, I, I look forward to joining that community. I look forward to meeting other. AAPI members or other student athletes or administrators. And I look forward to just building a sense of community because I think that's, it's something that's just been missing for so long. And I'm going to tell you, Chelsea, I actually was in Atlanta uh, when that horrific crime occurred. And it was initially in the local coverage because of where these women worked. It was completely biased in terms of it was not initially reported as a hate crime. Um, and that's a whole nother layer of biased coverage uh, and not thinking initially that this could be uh, a hate crime and something that the AAPI community, I'm sure, has had to deal with for decades. Um, but I want to get back to my original point, Amy and, and Patrick. Um, what's it like, Amy? You know, you go in the room and you're the only person of uh, that, that's an Asian American. Yeah, I mean, like Chelsea, I grew up in a very white community, and so, and I was adopted, so. I, my family that I that I know is white. I have a sister who's also adopted from Korea. We're not biological sisters, but other than her and a couple other people in our in our school and our church when I was growing up, they were all white. They were mostly white, you know. And so I was learned. I don't know, learned, conditioned early on to be exposed to those those situations, Andy, where I was the only or one of a couple Asian folk people in the room or in the classroom. Certainly playing sports, I didn't see anyone that looked like me. Um, and so you just sort of like accept that as, for better or worse, you accept that as, nor as the norm and you just go about your life. And it wasn't until, you know, honestly, in my own development and journey as a person um, and maturation as a person, hopefully I'm a little bit more mature today than I was then, but to understand um, some of the real negative impacts that other people in the AAPI community have faced. Like I said earlier, I've been really fortunate, I think, to not have been the subject of anything too um, or overt, overtly negative. Um, and so there's an education and awakening even on my part as I sit here today in the middle of my career that I'm learning about uh, the experience, experiences from people like Chelsea who have <clears throat> dealt with it, who are, who are more open talking about it while they're in college in ways that I, I didn't have that community or network. So I, th I think, it's, it's just something that you get used to, Andy, like everything else. It doesn't make it right or wrong, um, but you have to you know, figure out a way to get through life successfully, right? And we all have to adapt to the, our environment and our circumstances. And so I think now as I'm just much more aware of those things, it is being um, even more aware of my role um, in this job as an Asian American and using the platform that I have, however big or small it might be, to be, to acknowledge and be more visible about it in ways that I just did not do earlier in my career. And so I think that's something that I'm just certainly more aware of. I'll, I'll still only be the only Asian American when I go back into our AD room or in our commissioner meetings or things like that. That's not going to change overnight. And, you know, I get it. I get it. But the fact that I'm more aware, that my colleagues are more aware, I think that's the type of progress that we're, we're hoping for. You know, it's incremental. This is going to take time to overcome, but I think as long as the conversation has started, as so as long as we don't allow the conversation to end, I think is the most important thing. Patrick, what would have happened when you were at Wheaton if you were 
um, outspoken, uh, an activist uh, in a positive manner in which uh, uh, Chelsea is. I mean, what would have happened if, if you had taken that stance uh, when you were playing college athletics? That's a that's a great question. Wheaton uh, is was is very supportive of social issues, uh, LGBTQ community. Um, I, I imagine they would have supported me if it was something critical that I felt was uh, an important topic to address. Um, I, it, it, it's it's a great institution from that perspective. Uh, I, going to Amy's point, I, for me, what I think that I've learned through the years is. I have a greater responsibility to to uh, now more than ever to champion AAPI. It's 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 one of those moments of all of the other social issues that I've championed in my seats, whether it was currently at, at as the uh, commissioner at the NUMAC. Um, but why haven't I done more for AAPI? And I think that that's where um, I need to you know be a little bit more reflective and take more opportunities similar to this today, speaking about it working with Amy, uh, Vicky, and, and Patrick on 4AAPI um, to do more. But, you know, uh, to your original question, Andy, when you're fortunate to, to go to institutions that support issues that are critical and important to students, uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's a positive thing. It, it, it's, so I was a student athlete in the, in the 90s, early 90s, and, and just thinking through what we were, we, what we were dealing with then we did have the Asian Student uh, Association and things like that. We weren't super active, but uh, but we were there. And I, and I think that they would support me if I thought there was something critical uh, and that I could organize and 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 create some sort of uh, you know program around uh, a topic that was uh, important to me. So, Chelsea, obviously, so much uh, that we're talking about in terms of um, this anti-Asian hate crime bill and incidents that we've seen that have gone viral uh, have been physical violence. Um, I think too often we don't pause and realize how hurtful words are. Tell me, how hurtful are they? I mean, I think anybody can answer this question. Um, words are hurtful, first and foremost. They have so much power and impact behind them. Um, you know, people disregard, you know, things like, oh, you know, your eyes are small um, or you're like, for me, it was always, you know, your eyes are pretty big for an Asian, and, you know, it was just like comments like that, you know, and now they've really just kind of transitioned into all the rhetoric that is surrounding um, COVID-19 and Asian Americans for that matter. I think just, it's so damaging and disparaging to like see the news articles that, you know, you know, people are driving by and screaming profanities and slurs at just just normal people on the sidewalk. You know, I, um, my family, my mom's side of the family lives in Atlanta. I have a grandma who asked, right after I learned about the Atlanta shootings, I, I called her and I was like in tears and she doesn't speak a lot of English. And unfortunately I don't speak Chinese. I'm learning, but I, I am not fluent. And it was just, just like, how would she deal with that? Like, I, I wonder because she doesn't understand. I mean, she knows when somebody's going to be aggressive with her, but you know, the word side, you know, for so many Asian Americans and like the elderly have been attacked. Um, and so many of them don't speak English and yet they can feel the, the hate behind these words. Like it's, it's not, it's, they're not naive. They're not ignorant to the fact that these words carry power and they carry a negative impact. Um, and I think just the rhetoric is so negative right now. And it's so just 
it's just horrible to hear. And, you know, there's so many instances of these hate crimes happening of these just the words. It's not even violence that's happening. It's, it's just the, the profanities and slurs. Like I, I really have no solution towards it. I, I don't know how to combat it like without, you know, combating hate with hate, like that's gonna do nothing, right? Um, but I, I just wish people understood that, you know, the COVID flu, the Kung flu, it, it's, it's not just words. You know, there's a very negative impact with that. You know, you're disparaging an entire community. Um, you know, it's not just Chinese people that are the cause, like, it, that's not anything. And it's for the fact that people believe that and they're okay with saying stuff like that, Kung flu, just something as simple as that, like that, that's, it's disgusting for me to hear and to read about. Um, and I just wish people would understand the impact that their words have on um, just stop, you know, just educate yourself. Amy? Yeah, I, I think Chelsea's exactly right. I think a long time, if you set, set apart the physical violence part of it and the words part, and you look back and how I think the discrimination part has persisted for so long, it, it's a lot more subtle than what we see, at least that I have experienced when you when you think about discrimination against other races, where there is, I think, more coded language that built into the systemic racism for other that might be effectuating other races. But for Asian Americans, at least in my experience, it is. It's the slanted eyes. It's you know, why are your eyes closed when you're in a picture? They're always closed. Um, the as Trusty said earlier, you should be smart in math and science and good in those types of things. You look so young. You know, I've, I've had experiences even as commissioner where I was mistaken for an intern or the daughter of one of my board members. Um, you know, so it's things like that that accumulate over time that are, um, you know, they're not causing physical pain to me, but they leave a mark they, and they certainly sit in my memory forever. And the accumulation of those things for certain people um, can have really damaging effects. And those are the types of things that it might not be mean spirited, because when people make jokes, they're trying to be funny, um, but they leave a mark and they, they do damage on people's psyche and, and their outlook on life. And those are the types of things that I'm hoping, hoping we now have much more awareness that those can be as damaging as pushing someone on the street. You know, we've got we've to recenter our, our view mindset on what discrimination looks like. It doesn't have to be so targeted and, and filled with venom um, but it's a joke that can cause as much damage as anything else. Patrick? Yeah, I think ignorance perpetuates stereotypes and then it normalizes it for everyone else to continue to say the things that we've, we've, we've been saying all along here today. And, and it comes off across as a joke or matter of fact or whatever it might be. Uh, and then again, it just makes it okay to continue to say it. So I think, you know, having these, again, having these conversations making sure we continue to have these conversations are important. I have twin 15 year old daughters and I really want, I really, it was, it's been a tough year. I really had uh, an awakening from the perspective that I thought they were, they were going to be growing up in a, in a, in a society community that was so different than what I grew up in. Uh, and it's, it's, it's so much further behind than I, I had thought it was, right? So uh, we had made, we had made such strides from a social perspective in this country, but to see what's happened over the last 18 months, uh, it, it's been it's been rough to see that. Um, and and just I, since we're, we're since we're talking about this, I, I was walking on the street. Luckily, it was just by myself. I wasn't with my daughters, but I but a car stopped, and 
these these people in the car were yelling at me to go back to China. And again, I'm a Filipino American, so it's not exactly where I'm from. So it's it's ignorance. It's it's uh, and it makes it okay. There's the entitlement issues out there. So the words are words are tougher because you make it okay. You know, you make it okay to continue to say the things that that uh, others say, and uh, and I don't think you check yourself because you do think you're being funny or you're just trying to, sometimes it's a compliment that you look young, those kind of things. But it's it's hard when you've, uh, you know, you've lived with it for, for me, it'll be 49 years this summer. So, uh, and, and the continued, uh, you would think it would have stopped at some point, Andy. And I think it's hard to see, and and I don't wish this upon my my daughters, you know, in terms of their, their adult years and what they're gonna go through at all. So I wanna end with this, um, hopefully, you know, in a positive manner in that allies, um, this should not be your problem. This should be our problem as a society, not just as Americans, but, you know, as human beings on this shared planet. So uh, if we can go around our Zoom room, um, Amy, Patrick, and I want to end with you, Chelsea, because you're there peer to peer. I mean, you're with, you know, the student athletes and, and, and especially as you ascend to your position as a head of SAC, um, what can allies in the college athletic space do for the AAPI community? Start with you, Amy. Uh, well, first, they can go to our website for AAPI.com and register and register as an ally. We are intentional about that because we're trying to build a community of both uh, affected individuals and allies because we recognize, Andy, just like you said, that it's everyone's, there's a shared responsibility to make this world a better place, you know? Um, but I think just generally is, is showing your support. Don't just put up a nice tweet or a logo or some graphic during the month of May. You know, what are you going to do on June 1 to continue to show your support for the AAPI community? If you can, if you can do that and show that there's action um, in subsequent days and months and years ahead, I think that's going to be the most important thing for me, from my perspective, to, to keep this, to keep this engine moving. Patrick? Uh, I think listen, learn, educate, you know, um, show up, uh, I think are all important things that we would ask from allies to, uh, to be a part of what we're trying to do here. Um, and uh, the support is critical, again, not just for, for, for AAPI, but any social issue that we're grappling with. Um, it, it's just so important that we do address it as, as a community. So um, you know, support bringing, uh, bringing programming to your institution or to your conference, uh, attend, attend uh, seminars, uh, you know, uh, and, and promote wherever you can. Again, I'll, I'll say what I started off with. It's not just about reacting to the moment. It's about the continued action and having a plan for continued action along the way. And if we could get allies to do that, I think we're going to be in a good place. Yeah, um, I think the role of allies, and I, I appreciate that you recognize that it's really not our job to like gain allies and to really just put the word out there you know I think as an ally you know for myself you know as an ally of the black community you know you really just have to take initiative you know attack the implicit bias that you have internally address the implicit and explicit bias you know unlearn what has been conditioned to be the norm conditioned to be okay you know you just have to take the initiative and hold yourself accountable you know for all the people that want to help and support the AAPI community you know join for AAPI, you know, address the issue, you know, target your own insecurities and, you know, just 
the things that need to be addressed. I think it's it's going to be a gradual process. And I recognize and I support so many people that have taken those initial steps that have done more than post, you know, oh, stop Asian hate. You know, it's don't be performative. I think it's just the step in the right direction is to just really commit yourself to learning and unlearning. Um, it's going to be a gradual process, but, you know, I think it's necessary to be more inclusive. You know, it's, it can't continue this, this, these sentiments and feelings. It just, it's, it's horrible. Um, so I would just say it's for an ally out there. If you want to be an ally, commit yourself, you know, commit yourself to the time that it's going to take to unlearn all the norms that you've grown up with for however long you've been on this earth, you know, take the time to learn how it is, how you should address people, how, when you ask somebody where they're from, you know, when they say Texas, you're like, oh, very cool. Like I'm also from Texas. It's not like, no, no, no. Where are you from? You know, just stop that. Like just entitlement. It's, it's not okay. And um, just respect, you know, respect, be kind to others and continue to learn and unlearn. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, um, I think Amy and Patrick would agree with me that um, uh, we're in good hands with leaders like Chelsea uh, continuing to take the baton um, and that's what it's going to take from one generation to the next, uh, not putting us too far out in that generation, because <laughs> the three of us are obviously uh, within an age range here. But uh, Chelsea, um, most importantly for you as a student athlete, I hope the athlete part is going to come back strong next season and we'll see you on the tennis court um, competing for Yale and, and, and going for an Ivy League championship. Uh, so Chelsea, Patrick, Amy, uh, really appreciate you taking some time to discuss this. Uh, this is not just a day. This is not just a month. This should be 365. This should be 12 months. This should be, as Chelsea said, uh, if you need it, re-educate yourself. Words matter. And obviously we need to come together as a community, uh, not just at one time of the year. So as always, I really appreciate all of your time. Uh, everyone can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all our social series are archived over the last year plus uh as always you can download those and check them out we also have a podcast version of each one of these episodes stay safe everyone we'll talk to you next week